0: Hello and welcome to a new mini episode of the Three Bid League podcast. As always, I'm Tyler, joined by my co host Matt. And for this quick little episode, we're going to recap George Mason's win over Richmond. We are joined by Brian from By George. Brian, thank you for joining us.
1: No problem, man. There's no better time than, than the A10 tournament.
0: And I think the best place to start here is with the play of Ronald Polite, two points at the half, and then really was just the best player on that court, a court that featured Josh Aduro and Tyler Burton in the second 20 minutes. What do you think of his performance today?
1: You know, Polite's a roller coaster at times. You know, he, he's making big plays to finish games out. Um, you know, went 4-4 four for four from the free throw line, you know, kind of closed it out and had that huge corner three um, to, to really solidify the win, I thought. And I finished with 16-3-3. And it's just a guy that, that that doesn't quit. And we go as Ronnie goes. When when he plays really well, uh, we typically win. Uh, when he's turning the ball over and not facilitating, not scoring, we don't really have a chance. So he's been closing games out for us. Um, and it was just kind of that that polite roller coaster that we're used to.
2: Yeah, Tyler, you you mentioned the corner three by polite, maybe the most clutch moment of the game. But another observation we had. Ticket Gain seems to have found his spot in that corner ever since he's returned, and he's been in and out of the lineup for Mason this year, but has been playing well as of late. So, how has his impact changed the Patriots? What have they been doing better with him on the court?
1: You know, we had an interview with him right after the game, um, and to, to kind of talk about his defense because our defense really improved when he came back after his uh, his hand injury. Um, and you know, last game versus Richmond, we cut he had like twenty three points. Uh, kind of balled on him, finished with the steal and a layup to win the game, and then was again uh, assigned Burton today, which, you know, a big game, but at the same time he had to earn that. He was 11 for 11 from the free throw line. Um, you know, just 6 for 16 uh, from the field really was, was getting hammered kind of all game long and really had to earn those points from the line. So, you know, you know Burton's going to fill up the bucket, and, you know, I thought that that ticket handled – um, guarding him twice in a you know week and a half uh, really well. Yeah, and Burton was able
0: to get downhill honestly pretty easily in this game, but George Mason took away the two other elements for him. They were not giving him any open jumpers at all, and then they were making him finish in heavy traffic. And We saw a lot of those misses were when he tried to go finesse at the rim, basically like kind of bend around guys. He was not hitting those shots. He was only being successful when he was going in trying to make them foul him, but... It was a great performance from the Mason D all all over the place. The most impressive thing to me, they shut Richmond down from the three-point arc, one for 12 from deep. It was a Matt Grace make seven minutes into the game. They didn't give anything up for the last three quarters. What have you seen from this George Mason perimeter defense? Because it faded away there for a little bit in conference play, but for the most part, they've been very
1: good at stopping the opponent from shooting threes. Yeah, I mean Burton was 0 for three, and you know in the presser, you know Kim said that it's not about limiting makes, it's about limiting attempts, and so they're clearly selling out to um, prevent three the, the the three ball, and you could tell that you know we're giving up points in the paint. When we beat Dayton, we let home score. We play we play all of our bigs one on one so that we can close out on the three point line. And I think that's that's really it. Is that you know, we we're not doubling the post, um, and Kim English has said that's been our philosophy all season long. And so, you know, I think we just kind of really protecting that three point that three point line, and it worked. It worked today, and it's worked on our seven game winning streak. And I don't think, you know, like like tickets defense can't be taken lightly. You know, our guards kind of struggled, Cooper um, and VJ on defense. You know, we were getting beat game winners, jumpers at the rim. But when Ticket returned, we, we instantly could put um, him on the best guy. And if you saw, like, we had like Cooper on Grace or insert name. It didn't really matter. We put them on Grace. And Ticket's really going to be our guy to step up and guard the best player unless it's like, you know, a point guard. But he's going he's gonna to guard the best forward for sure. Um, so I think it's just really kind of playing the paint 1v1.
0: Yeah, and your your best wing defender before that, Saquon Singleton, a guy that English clearly really trusts on defense, but we see it at the end of games when you have the lead. He's not a guy that you can leave out there if it's a situation where you either need a three or if guys are going to get sent to the line. So a little bit tough to play him in crunch
1: time. It makes tickets so much more important. Yeah, and, and, and you see, you know, we, we have a pretty large rotation. Like, we play a ton of guys. Uh, every single game, you know, it confuses some of us, but we're not going to stop. Um, and, and Singleton, I mean, he's, he's really been impressive uh, in this seven-game winning streak. Uh, shots didn't go in today, but you can see his aggressiveness is something that we miss when he's not in the game.
2: So with today's win over Richmond, the Patriots get a rematch with St. Louis, which was one of the more interesting games of the A-10 season. And
0: last season.
2: Yeah, that too. And it was a game where George Mason was in control for most of it at Chaffetz Arena before a 9-0 run for St. Louis sealed the game. What do you think the key is going to be this time for George Mason to come out on top and try to extend this winning streak?
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's the same as every single game. Uh, it's going to be packing the paint or, or attacking the paint. Um, Josh Oduro last game had 26 and 15, absolutely dominant. Um, and unfortunately, we fouled Uri Collins on a jumper that gave them the win at the free throw line. So I just think that our evolution since then, and as you mentioned, really tough, I think, double overtime loss, if I'm not mistaken, um, the year prior. Uh, just we, we play them really tough um, and I think that we have the the guard play to to really slow them down on defense um, we'll throw a lot at Yuri, um, but he's he's beating us two games in a row now and it's 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 funny we beat Richmond uh, two two games in a row coming into this one now we're playing an opponent that we've lost to two times in a row um, you know, this has kind of been our winning streak last seven games. Beat two teams in the top four, uh, beat a local team, beat Richmond just an hour and a half down the road. So a lot of different types of wins in this winning streak, and I'm excited for, for the opportunity. But I think it's, it's really just it's the Josh Oduro show when we play Slough. Yeah, in St. Louis,
0: their defense throughout the years had two big weaknesses. They struggle against extremely physical bigs like a Josh Oduro, in keeping them off the offensive glass, and they've been pretty bad at preventing dribble penetration. Now, all you need to do to know that Josh Aduro will thrive in this game is just look at his box scores the last two times these two teams have met. He has crushed them, and it's going to take a big adjustment from Travis Ford to take him out. But one thing that George Mason didn't have that could be extremely helpful in this game is Ronald Polite playing at an all-conference level. He was not that guy when they played St. Louis earlier this year. And so just kind of thinking about that matchup, George Mason struggled to stop Yuri Collins on the other end. Can either of these two teams put together a reliable run of defense in this game, or are we going to be looking at first 85 wins?
1: Yeah, I, I think we're probably going to see a high-scoring a high game for sure. I mean, you know, uh, last last game I think Jimerson went nuts from the three-point line. Um, and that's something that we were able to control him a little bit better last year when we played them. Um, so I think, you know, you get a guy like Ticket on him. Um, you know, we'll see what we can – I don't want to – I don't know. if Like, Yuri Collins had 12 assists when we played him. He didn't score a bunch. He hit the two free throws to close it out. But the real difference in Ronald Polite, because I could I, – honestly, he's been like this for two years, but he's closing games out better right now. He's taking control. He's leading – Um, And that's the difference. Knocked down four free throws, some clutch ones uh, to close this game out today. Um, So, you know, I think that's really where where he has taken on that leader role where he can be relied upon to close the game out. Um, But are we going to be able to stop Yuri any better than we did when he had nine and and 12 assists? Probably not. You know, you're going to I'd rather him facilitating, quite honestly, than, than scoring 20 plus on us.
0: All right, I'll give you one to three things here. George Mason wins this game
1: if blank. George Mason wins this game, I think, if we keep them, like, you know, around that 60-point total. Um, you know, we're, that's, we want a scrum. We want to make the game dirty. We don't want a foot race. Um, we, want, we want a game where, where we can really uh, D up. So I think if we can keep the game around 60 points, uh, that favors Mason. All right, and last thing,
0: because your backup big rotation is starting to confuse the hell out of me. So let's say Joshua Duro sits eight
1: minutes in this game. Who should get those eight minutes? You know, it's tough. You know, today Ginnika came off the bench first. Well, Malik has had a really strong season, and that's been the confusing part about uh, Kim English's lineups is, you know, what's going on. We saw Blake Jones early hit a three. Um, So I think it would go to Ginnika just based off of the game plan today, but I'm a Malik guy. He brings the energy He's a rim runner, um, and he'll step in there and take a charge. All right, thank you for joining us, Brian. You
0: are one of the best. Actually, you know what? Probably the best in terms of George Mason coverage. So if anyone wants to see a Patriots tilt during this George
1: Mason-St. Louis game, where can they find you? Uh, you can find us at, at ByGeorgeGMU. Uh, we're a podcast right now. We're kind of just doing spaces. Um, but our website's Giantkiller.co. They host all of our content. Um, so check us out there, and then again, uh, by George GMU on Twitter and Instagram. All right, now we're going to talk St. Joe's win over GW with
0: Riley Frayne for Mid-Major Madness. Riley St. Joe's the first pillow fight team to escape that day and then win their round two game in the decade history of that round.
3: Yeah, uh, definitely a big win for the Hawks. You know, I, I think they kind of came on strong in the second half and, and did a good job of closing out Bishop and you know, kind of running away with right in the last couple minutes there to secure a huge win. And uh, you know, now we're looking forward to Dayton tomorrow, definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess we just have to start talking about Eric Reynolds. Thirty-four points, absolutely magnificent. He got to the foul line twelve times. I think that was how he really was able to kind of control the pace there in the second half. He was in a. Like, a, your turn, my turn duel with James Bishop of GW throughout that game. But Reynolds closed 9 nothing in the final seven minutes, and that was the biggest reason why St. Joe's won.
3: Yeah, I mean, you, you pointed out there, 34 points, that's a career high for Reynolds, uh, you know, only a sophomore, so it's pretty impressive. And uh, he didn't necessarily have the best shooting day, you know, two of seven from three, but, uh, you know, as you pointed out there, Tyler, he was kind of able to make it up other ways on the floor, whether it be getting to the foul line, uh, you know, picking up a couple of rebounds or helping out some teammates with an assist. And uh, it sure was a career day, you know, to kind of help St. Joe's uh, through maybe a a rough patch in the first half, and, and,
2: you know, they kind of came out strong in the second and got it done. Yeah, another guy, too, that came up really big for the Hawks, for Fleming, who is a freshman, started, played 35 minutes, hit a clutch three late in the game, and really without NJK Obina in the lineup, the Hawks have relied on his size a lot more the last couple weeks, so what do you think he's... To the team recently, what do you think they're going to need him to do against Dayton, who's got one of the stronger front courts in the conference? Yeah, I mean,
3: the Albina injury kind of coming into the tournament, we, you know, St. Joe's fans, I think, and, and you know, those who report on the team kind of knew what was going on uh, and that he, you know, wouldn't necessarily be active for the A10 tournament. And, and I think Rasheer Fleming, particularly today, stepped up in a huge way. You pointed out, uh, Matt, the big three there he kind of hit at the end of the game. There might have been one even a couple minutes before that that I think was, uh, you know, a pretty big momentum swing for the Hawks. And he finishes out with uh, just two rebounds shy of a double-double with uh, 12 points and uh, eight rebounds. And I think that's a pretty good day from the freshman. And he definitely gave something St. Joe's fans, uh, you know, he's given St. Joe's fans something to look forward to as such a young guy. And then I think, you know, he's going to have to be an important part of the defensive game plan tomorrow. You know, he kind of pointed out Dayton has one of the better front courts in, 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 you know, the conference. And, so definitely gonna need Rashir to kind of step up tomorrow and you know, keep it going on the offensive side, but as well as you know, I think he was pretty solid on the defensive side today, and so we'll wanna, you know, continue to see that lockdown defense from him.
0: One guy who's gonna be wildly important in that game, Obina's replacement at the starting center, Charles Coleman. And so I just want to ask you: Is it really an A10 tournament game if Charles Coleman doesn't hit a three? <laughs> it certainly doesn't feel like it, and <laughs> I know he banked the
3: one in today. I thought that was pretty impressive. He went for the second, and it didn't go so well, but yeah, he's definitely got a little bit of three-point shooting touch, and <laughs> doesn't look so bad when it goes in. I know he's a big man, and maybe the form's a little funky, but when he's hitting them, he 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 can hit one or two a game, and it definitely I think it was a big momentum swing for the Hawks when he, he uh, cashed one in off the boards at the end of the I think it was at the end of the first half, or maybe early in the second. Uh, And, uh, again, I think, you know, he only had five points and and three rebounds today, but I still think he had a pretty solid game for the Hawks and, and, you know, in that starting five was a solid contributor.
0: Yeah, and look, St. Joe's GW, we knew ahead of time, this game was not going to have a ton of defense, but the Hawks played pretty well on that end the last five minutes. What what would you credit that to?
3: Yeah, so I think one, one player in particular I really want to point out, I think would be Christian Winborn, another freshman who obviously didn't have the best game today, uh, you know, no points on the stat sheet and just two rebounds and two assists. Uh, but had a big game yesterday for the Hawks, uh, you know, and getting them through the first round there. And then today I, I feel like he was a lockdown defender whenever I saw him covering Bishop, particularly in the last couple of minutes of the game when the Hawks, you know, really needed to kind of close down the GW offense, uh, you know, to, to, to see out the win. And so I think Winborne in particular played a really big role in that defensively. But I, like you said, you know, Dayton has a big front court, and so we're going to need some of these guys like Coleman and, and Fleming to kind of step up big tomorrow. And, you know, hopefully we'll see a little more defense out of the Hawks because of it.
0: Yeah, and we basically haven't even talked about the guy who can make a case has been your best player the last month or so, Lynn Greer. It wasn't wasn't particularly great in this one, but really came through with an all star performance against Loyola. What's what's changed with his game since? I guess it was the very first of the three Loyola games. Where he started actually making threes mm-hmm.
3: yeah I, I remember I think really you, you kind of once we hit that midpoint in the year you kind of saw you know the benefits of Win Greer transferring and joining St. Joe's team la- last year and you know he was finally starting to get comfortable and acclimated with the offense uh, and you know you kind of pointed out he didn't necessarily have the best game today only four of 13 shooting still 14 points which is pretty solid but I think he's just excellent at, at running the St. Joe's offense and, and you know kind of running the plays that that Billy Lang wants uh, finding the right guy, making the right pass, uh, and he he really is like the key to to not necessarily all the scoring that St. Joe's had today, but really just uh, to running the entire offense. I think he does a fantastic
2: job, even when he's not necessarily getting on the stat sheet of tongue. And even when you go back to the first Dayton-St. Joe's game of the year, Lynn Greer's homecoming, you could say, to UD Arena, he was actually shut out in 23 minutes. Definitely, as Tyler said, he's been playing much better the last month of the season, but Overall, in general, too, it seems like St. Joe's offense has been going a bit better. Do you attribute that a lot to him getting better or just working together with the teammates more?
3: So I, I definitely probably attribute it to him getting a little more comfortable with the team, a little bit more acclimated with what, what Coach Lang wants. I think he's also just been shooting the ball a little bit better than he was at the beginning of the year, which has been a huge factor, uh, you know, getting comfortable with the league and everything like that. Obviously, the A-10 can be a little difficult to play play in and adjust to. Uh, But, you know, he spent last year with Dayton and uh, so I guess I would have just attributed it to like his leadership. I mean, even in in yesterday's press conference uh, after the Loyal chicago game, he was kind of, uh, you know, taking the lead on most of the questions and, you know, joking around, laughing with Coach Lang and and I think it was Cam Brown and Eric Reynolds up there on the podium as well. Uh, And so I think you're really just starting to see him get more comfortable with the team and, and it's definitely benefiting the Hawks a ton.
0: All right, so let's turn it over to Dayton. And this is a matchup that does not look great on paper for St. Joe's. Biggest reason, as we mentioned, Eduke Obina out. He is the anchor of your interior defense. Well, that's a guy you need when you're going up against Deron Holmes and Tamani Kamara. If St. Joe's is going to hold things with the Flyers, because this is not a game that you can go score in the mid-80s in, like against GW. The Flyers are going to hold you to a reasonable number here. You're going to have to do the same for them. What will the Hawks have to do defensively to be able to keep Dayton's big guys, maybe not in check, but at least at a reasonable number?
3: Yeah, uh, so I don't, I don't know if I necessarily have all the answers. Uh, I think what I saw from the Hawks today was they made some really solid adjustments throughout the game, which is something I think a lot of Hawks fans have been critical of Lang, is not maybe making adjustments when he needs to. Uh, and you saw them kind of make an uh, adjustment early in the first half when they were 0 for 7 on three-point attempts. You kind of saw them make an adjustment to the zone early in the second half when, when GW started kicking things up. And so I think you'll you'll definitely see a lot of adjustments tomorrow. And I, I think you got to maybe give the Hawks a chance to run the zone and, and hopefully, uh, you know, kind of keep De'Ron, Holmes, and Tumani Kamara out of, out of the paint and, you know, therefore scoring a lot of points, which is where they do a lot of their damage, I feel like.
2: Yeah, and I feel like we even saw that today, too, on the defensive end. we GW kind of came out guns blazing. I think they were at like 22 points in the first eight minutes and then really didn't shoot the three well after that. And that that could be a factor too with Dayton not having a ton of three-point shooters available, not a team that really relies on that. So do you think that overall was going to be the key for the Hawks is just keeping Dayton off the perimeter, making them try to grind it out and go inside?
3: Uh, I don't know if I'd say the key, but I think it'll definitely be a big part of, you know, limiting some of those, you know, athletic scores that flyers have. Obviously, there's a handful of them. Uh, And so I think a big thing for the Hawks will be, you know, we got to improve the three point shooting a little. That's obviously what, you know, the Hawks whole game plan kind of relies on. Uh, And as well as that, I think you want to try and get scrappy with this Dayton team, you know, try and, you know, push them off of this pedestal they're on a little bit, I feel like. And, and, you know, hopefully the Hawks can kind of, you know, take them down a little bit and and make it a competitive game. Uh, But we'll have to see, you know, kind of how Dayton comes out, how they're shooting the ball and how well they're going to work it inside with you know, as as you mentioned, Tyler, without, you know, Obina in.
0: Now, on the flip side, can Eric Reynolds fire out another superstar performance here because Dayton's interior defense, probably the best in the league by a long shot, but on the perimeter, they've struggled with these stud guards and... R.J. Blakeney and Kobe Elvis with them both dealing with injuries all year. They have not been the same defenders. They may have to try Tumani Kamara on Eric Reynolds. I know I'd personally like to see it, but... Can Reynolds deliver a big game for a second straight night?
3: I mean, I think we've seen it a lot of times this year. He's been able to deliver night after night with you know consecutive 20-point performances or whatever it may be. Obviously, tonight was something of a career performance with 34 points. But yeah, I, I think we could definitely continue to see it tomorrow. I mean, uh, you know, as you pointed out, that Dayton interior defense is probably the best in the conference. So you, you're gonna want to improve on that two of seven from three-point range today. But I think you know Reynolds is the type of guy who's got a short memory, and I think he wants to get he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to get back out there tomorrow. And I think, you know, he's going to be excited to shoot it. And you're certainly going to see that out of Reynolds as well as the whole team.
0: All right, we'll wrap it up here then. For St. Joe's to pull what is going to be probably a pretty big upset, I assume the Flyers will be double-digit favorites in this game. What do they have to do right? I think they've got to shoot the three ball
3: well. Obviously, like I've said a couple times now, that's kind of what it all comes down to, the Hawks. Uh, down two for the Hawks. I think, you know, that interior defense is going to have to stand tough, and they're definitely going to have to try and limit Deron Holmes and Tumani Kamara, which is maybe a little obvious, but something anyone's got to do to get a victory against Dayton.
0: (laughs) All right, and Riley, where can everyone find your work? Of course, yeah, so
3: Riley Frain, I write for Mid-Major Madness. You can find me on Twitter, just at Riley Frain, R-I-L-E-Y-F-R-A-I-N. And if you're into mid-major hoops, you know, come on, stop by.
0: Yep, thank you for joining us. Everyone be sure to give Riley a follow. Go check out his work.